Good morning. Good morning. Wow, it's massive in here. I forget how, how big it is. Um, as Jonathan's introduced me, my name is James. Um, I'm married to uh, a beautiful lady called Ellen. Uh, we have four beautiful children, and uh, we lead and host uh, Hope North, which is our multi-site. If you are here for the first time or you're relatively new, Hope Church is multi-site. So starting in about 20 minutes, uh, the North site meeting will be getting going. So if you were gathering now, you'd be having tea and coffee. We'd be out on the lawn, uh, enjoying the sunshine and uh, having a really lovely time together. Uh, You are always always very welcome to come and visit us. Uh, We love visitors, we love having people along uh, to us. Um, Over the last months, North has been, um, it's just been a a really wonderful time together. It's not been easy, it's been really difficult for Ellen and I. We've found it um, very stretching, but, um, and I can say this because none of them are here, uh, (laughs) the North community are exceptional. They are an exceptional group of people and uh, and, and I would not uh, be able to do it without God, and, but with them, their hearts for it are, are wonderful. Um, I am going to just make a few recommendations, book recommendations for you. Apparently that's a, like, a, like a thing that you do here, that you recommend books. Um, but what's different is apparently the preacher gives out books. Um, I'm not going to do that because um, these are mine and I like them. Um, but... <laughs> You can go and buy them if you like. Um, so, two books that, are, um, that I'm going to recommend. First of all is, if you are interested in worship, or not at all, uh, but why worship? It's been written by, or um, edited by, Tim Hughes and Nick Drake. Um, it's a really, really great book on how to return to worship post-lockdown. So if you are new to this, or perhaps you're struggling to get back into worship, it's a really good book. The, it's, it's lots of different authors writing about specific things, which means that that chapter, you know, sometimes with books, I mean, maybe this is not true, but for me, sometimes with books, there are some really great chapters, and then there are some chapters that are a bit like, oh, I didn't need that. Uh, whereas this book, because every chapter is written by somebody new, it's like, bam, it's really, really good. But one chapter that I would highly recommend is one written by Graham Kendrick, uh, and I'm going to refer to him a bit later, but that's a great one to read. Uh, Perhaps in your community group, you're wanting to press into worship together. Uh, This one, Holy Raw, is a really, really good book, Introduction into Worship, How Do We Worship Together? Um, That's a a really, really good one. If you're not a reader and you like to listen to things uh, in Instead than the Redmond and Riddle podcast. Uh, Matt Redmond and Jeremy Riddle, I forgot his first name. Jeremy Riddle are two um, renowned worship leaders, and their podcast is brilliant, really very, very good. Matt Redmond's wisdom is phenomenal on uh, worship. Definitely well worth uh, a read, uh, not a read, a listen to that one. So let's get going. So. <clears throat> Uh, It is a pleasure to bring you the next in our series uh, this morning, A God-Centered Community. Uh, And we're going to be thinking about a people that uh, worship. Are we there? Yes, there we are. Great. Um, So I am going to keep it really simple this morning because I'm a simpleton. And as a worshiper, I'm going to ask you this one question. This is what I want you to be thinking about throughout the course of this morning is, am I a car or am I a train? Okay, that's what I want you to think about. Okay, am I a car moving from petrol station to petrol station, jumping from week to week, Sunday to Sunday, 
in my car, like that? Or are you a train flowing through the week, constantly connected to the lines of electricity? That's what I want you to think about as we're speaking, as I'm speaking this morning. Am I a car or am I a train? Our passage this morning is taken out of Exodus 15 and it is party time in Exodus 15. Over the last weeks, we've been hearing about how the Israelites have come from being slaves under the Egyptians. Uh, It's certainly not been plain sailing. It's been incredibly difficult for them. They have found it hard. They have complained about it. They have, it's been uh, a really difficult time. I mean, extraordinary times for them. And we're now at a point in the story of Exodus where the Israelites have passed through the Red Sea. Pharaoh has chased them down. He's hunted them down. He's chased them down. They've passed through the Red Sea. And the waves have come crashing down and Pharaoh and his army are wiped out. And the first thing that the Israelites do after this is they worship. This is from Exodus 15. So then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord saying, I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The Israelites saved. What's the first thing they do? They worship. They praise God. When you think of worship... What springs to your mind? Okay, we're going to take it right back. What springs to your mind? Is it singing? Is it playing an instrument? And if you're sat here this morning and you're thinking, I'm not musical and I don't play an instrument and I haven't got any rhythm, then what I want to say to you, you might be thinking, well, this, is, this Sunday's not for me. I'm, this is, I'm going to tap out of this one. Stop. Stop now. This is definitely for you this morning. It's for all of us, but if you have disqualified yourself from worship this morning, I want to say that now is the time. God is going to turn your heart this morning. Do you know, so often I'm struck by how limited the English language is. I don't know if you find this. Um, So we say, for example, like we use the word love. So I love my wife, but I also love Wagamama's ginger chicken udon. Like, (laughs) Like, I love my wife, but I also... I love it. It's good, you know. And we have one word to describe love. And in the New Testament, the New Testament writers, they have four words to describe love. Okay? You might know this already. Uh, but did you know that in the Old Testament, there's not just one worship. We have like worship and praise. We worship, we praise, similar. But in the Old Testament, there are seven words for worship. Seven. Okay? Uh, and they help us to express our relationship with our, heaven, our Father in heaven. So here they are. Here are the seven, and I'm going to attempt to pronounce them. There we are. Right. I apologize to scholars out there who love the Hebrew language. I am sorry. Here we go. So the first one, uh, Yodor, to revere or worship with extended hands. Holal, to boast, to rave, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish. Zuma to make music to celebrate in song. Tolda, to, uh, an extension of the hand, thanksgiving, a confession, a sacrifice of praise. Borak, to kneel, to bless God uh, as an act of adoration, uh, to salute, to thank. Uh, Tehillor, a hymn, a song of praise, a new song, a spontaneous song. And Shobak, to shout, to commend glory and triumph. Okay, so out of, those, out of those, how many of those are specifically singing? Not very many, are there? Not very many at all. 
But in, so in Exodus 15, we see several forms of this worship to God. In verse 11, we see Tehillah. In verse 20, Miriam picks up a tambourine and leads the women in dancing, Cholal. And I can start to see perhaps some of the cogs turning, and you're saying, I don't like where you're going with this, James. I don't like the concept of being, what was it, clamorously foolish, shouting, jumping up and down, dancing around. Some of you are sitting there thinking, this is too much for me. I can barely string two notes together. There are donkeys that sound better than me. And for some of you, maybe that's right. (laughs) And dancing. I mean, I've got some pretty good uh, dad dance moves. My children would be very embarrassed if I suddenly got those out. (laughs) But the concept of dancing, I mean... In front of all of you, I mean, I'm on stage and it says that I have to do it, so there we are. But to stand there and worship and do it, I'm not, don't think about that. But I want to challenge you this morning, don't think about what worship you can give God, but ask this question, what worship is God asking of you? What worship does he deserve? Let's debunk a lie about worship. God only listens to the beautiful singers, okay? No, that just doesn't happen. There's a beautiful story in the New Testament when Jesus is in the temple with the disciples. They're watching people give to the Lord. And there's these rich guys, and they are pouring out their prey, like their, their money, and they're, look at me as I present to the Lord this humble offering. And, and it's, it's huge. They're giving loads and loads of money and they're just making a big whole song and dance about it Jesus draws the, the, atten- the, the disciples attention to an old lady in the corner and she brings two coins and she lays them down and Jesus says to them he sees this and he loves it because it cost her everything that's all that she had The guys that are giving copious amounts of money, that's great, that's lovely money, but their reward, they've received their reward because actually, although they're giving lots of money, they have lots of money, okay? And so actually, they're not giving everything, they're just giving some. She gives it all. Jesus saw that and he loved it. Our worship is costly, if it's hard or difficult to bring because of the circumstances, and to give is precious to God. The same is true when you sing or dance or clap or shout or whatever it is. And if you're sat there thinking, I can't sing, I can't hold a note, God loves to hear your heart. It doesn't matter what it sounds like. It doesn't matter what I think or anyone else thinks here. God loves to hear your voice. He's not interested in your pitching. He wants your heart. We should sing and dance to the Lord. Richard J. Foster writes, Open, uh, sorry, often our reserved temperament, he uses, I would, I would say like Britishness. Britishness, reserved temperament, is little more than fear of what others will think of us or perhaps unwillingness to humble ourselves before God and others. Of course, people have different temperaments, but that must never keep us from worshipping with our whole being. 
Okay, by the end of this morning, my expectation is not that we'll all be jumping up and down singing and shouting. I mean, that would be great, don't get me wrong. Okay, but for some of us, some of you are more reserved and more, and more hedgehogs. Okay, you got like, how you worship, how you pour out praise to God is unique to you, it's personal to you. So, <clears throat> our worship to God is not about what you think or what I think or what anyone else thinks. We're here to worship an audience of one. There is only one person in this place who you should care about what thinks about your worship. This says, says this in Galatians, nice little challenge for us this morning. For I am now seeking for sorry, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I was still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. What I want you to see this morning is that there is so much more, so much more to worship than what we experience on a Sunday. Let's allow God to transform our thinking. Let's open our hearts to him. Okay, so let's track back. What is worship? Well, Paul writes in Romans 12, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And when asked, which is the greatest commandment, Jesus then says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. If our focus this morning is on how we can gather to be a community that worships, to be better at being a community that worships, we need to start, on, we need to start by reflecting and looking at ourselves. Who are we as worshippers? Jesus taught his disciples to go to the quiet place. Matthew 6. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And the room that Jesus is talking about here culturally within the day would have literally been like the store cupboard like a larder you go away you shut the door and you find your secret place um, this is a great quote the secret to a worshipful community is the community being worshipful in the secret yeah yeah it's good isn't it i wonder who wrote that let's have a look oh i've gone too far come back go back yes excellent <laughs> What a great theologian that that young man is. <laughs> Let's move on. Okay, but in all seriousness, I'm going, to, I'm going to read it again. It's a play on words. There's a, there's, another, there's a very similar style. I'm going to read it again because I think it's important. The secret to a worshipful community is the community being worshipful in the secret. Okay, let's hear that this morning, okay? Right. If we want to see change on a Sunday morning... Worship in the secret place. Where is your secret place? How is your worship in that secret place? Graham Kendrick writes this. That secret place inside our hearts and heads where our innermost feelings, desires, hopes and fears surface. This is the very place that God desires to transform into a place of intimate communion with himself. 
He's not put off by the true state of our hearts, our unhealed pain, and our unresolved issues. He wants to get to that place where we're real about our God-given human needs, hopes, and longings. This is the very place where we can drink from the spring of living water and slake the deep thirsts of the soul. Okay? Slake, by the way, is actually a real word. I had to look it up because I didn't know what it meant. Okay? It means satisfy. This is the very place where we can drink from the spring of living water and satisfy the deep thirsts of the soul. I think there's something in there that we need to hear this morning. He's not put off by the true state of our hearts, our unhealed pain, and our unresolved issues. If that's, some of you need to hear that this morning. How powerful a place would be, our church would be, how powerful this place would be on a Sunday if when we gathered, we all gathered like trains coming into a station. We've spent the whole week connected to God and we arrive in the station, bam, ready to go. Rather than cars arriving at petrol stations, desperate for filling So what's getting in the way of you connecting? The wrong friends? Someone who's a bad influence? Perhaps it's sport, following sport. Keeping up to date with the latest news so you can be one step, of, um, one step ahead of Dave from accounting. Okay? Maybe it's the latest series to binge. Sucked into an all-night vacuum of the next latest thing, which, let's be honest, probably isn't the best thing in the world to be watching. Maybe it's social media. We live in an age where we have access to pretty much whatever we want, whenever we want it. Need an answer to a question? I'll just Google it right now. I have an answer. Need to know what the latest update is? Got it. News? Got it. Here's my question to you, I, and I, I'm 100% talking to myself when I say this. What is social media? What, are, what is the internet learning about you as you use it because it does learn about you it shows you what you want what is the algorithm learning to show you is it fulfilling you is it building you up is it healthy perhaps even this morning there is a sense of there are some people here just embarrassed i'm embarrassed it's too embarrassing, James. I, can't, I just can't raise my hand because it's embarrassing. What will people think of me? I'm, um, I'm just going to put this verse up again, which is from Galatians. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Who are you seeking approval from this morning? You cannot do this in your own strength. Let's just get that very clear. Okay, I, James, cannot, in my own strength, keep this up. I cannot be uh, husband, father, teacher, elder, all the other things that I partake in. Okay, I cannot do all of those things in my own strength. It would be a catastrophe. Quite often, when I try and do it in my own strength, it is a catastrophe. But... We don't have 
to do it. We don't have to do it on our own. The Holy Spirit is with us. He is with you. 2 Corinthians 16, 18. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, behold the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. From th for this comes from the Lord, not from you, not from me, comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So what does this look like then? What does this look like now? When I'm in my, sec I'm, I'm in my secret place, shut the door. What? Now what? What do I do? Well, reading the Bible is a good start. Okay, Psalms. Reading through the Psalms, the book of Psalms is a book of songs, okay? Read them, read them out loud. Don't read them in your head, read them out loud, okay? I mean, you can read them in your head, but reading them out loud is good. Listening to worship music, praying to God about who he is and what he has done. Not just, Lord, I need another favor, okay? You should be praying to him. Tell God how good he is never gets boring telling God how good he is. Tell him how good he is. Tell him how grateful you are for all he's done and how good he is. Thank him for all he's done in your life. Every, there's a line in the song, every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back in praise. List off all the blessings that you have. Simple things like, Lord, thank you that I woke up this morning and the sun was shining and I've got food on the table and my house is warm. Or even simpler things like, Lord, thank you for a new day. Bring it right back. What are we thankful for? Thank you that I'm here. Thank you for my friends. Thank you that you love me. Start there. Thank you, God. As I wake this morning, you love me. Start there and take it on from there. You can journal. You can draw. You can paint. You can sculpt. You can gift. Give. The old lady in the temple, she was giving, gifting. Giving is worship in the secret. Worship is not limited to the songs that we sing. As we gather here, those songs, they are a vehicle to, uh, to telling God stuff. That's what the songs do. They're a vehicle. They are not it. They are the vehicle moving us on. We, the church, are one body. And that doesn't all mean that we are the vocal cords singing. You might be the foot or a leg dancing, or a hand waving or creating something, or the eye seeing the beauty that God has created, or the ear hearing God's voice. We are a diverse body full of different gifts and talents. As we engage with the Spirit, God is teaching us how to use these gifts. Each of you has individual gifts that God has given you, and at the, the more time you spend with him, the better you get at using those gifts. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause here. I've still got more to do, but I think God wants to do some work right now. Okay, so I'm just going to pause. Bench, can you come up and play? <clears throat> we are going to respond to some of this stuff that I've spoken about on an individual level before I go on and talk about being a community, because otherwise I think it might get lost. Okay, so let's just close our eyes. Benji's going to play for us. We're just going to take a moment and just rest 
in the Spirit. We're just going to rest in God's presence. He is here with us. Holy Spirit, you are so welcome here. You are so welcome here. Father, I thank you that you are calling us to be a people who worship through the week. Father, I, I feel like you're saying that there are people here this morning who are chained down, who have walls built up, who are finding it really hard to connect with you in the week. They're worried, they're, they're anxious, they're embarrassed, they're They're limited in some way. Holy Spirit, will you come now? Holy Spirit. And I speak to chains in the name of Jesus. I say be broken in Jesus' name. If you think this is for you, just hold your hands out. Let's receive from God. Let's all receive from God. But specifically those people, if you think this is for you, if your worship, if you've struggled to worship in your own time, if you've struggled to encounter God in your week, just hold your hands out because he wants to meet with you right now. Chains be broken in Jesus' name. I speak to the wall of embarrassment and I say go. Go. In in the name of Jesus, melt like wax before the Lord. Holy Spirit, would you unlock now a people who worship? Father, we're asking the question before, am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Holy Spirit, unlock God for the approval of one, for the audience of one, for God. Unlock it now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, you're so welcome here. You are so welcome here. Jesus, Jesus. you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Just got a picture. This week I was able to go paddleboarding on the River Hamble. And as I was, I just have an image of somebody stood on a paddleboard. So you're, you're on a board and you've got a paddle and you're frantically trying to paddle in the direction you think you're going. But when I was out in this river, there was a current pulling. And I feel like this morning there's people just frantically trying to paddle in the direction that they think they need to go. I need to go this way. I'm frantically paddling. And the Lord is saying, just let the current take you. Holy Spirit, that's the, the Holy Spirit, that's the current. It wants to take you. Jesus, thank you that you are doing a work in our hearts this morning. Thank you that you are with us.
Jesus. Keep working in us as I continue on, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks, Benj. Thank you. Will you give Benj a hand? <clears throat> Thanks, Benj. Oh, do you know what? Sometimes it's just really good just to stop and take a moment, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, right. So, that's the first sort of part. We've talked about being worshippers. We need to be worshippers so that when we gather, so this is the second part, as we now gather to be a community of worshippers, what does that look like? So let's travel back to Exodus 15. So the Israelites sing a new song, okay? Corporately, collectively, they sing a new song, which is relevant for the season they are in. The song is specific to the season they're in, but as they go on and continue to sing it throughout the ages, it reminds them of what God has done. So it's a new song originally, and then as they continue to sing it throughout the ages, it reminds them of God's goodness. It's a celebration. The song is God-focused. It declares something about God's character. It's clearly God-focused, even though they use the words I and me. It's okay to sing songs to Jesus that say I and me. We need to tell God that it is me personally. I am responding. I am the worshiper. Me, I am the worshiper. It needs to be God-focused, but we need to tell him it's coming from us. It's a personal declaration. He is my God, my strength, in verse 2. It proclaims who God is. In verse 3, the Lord is a warrior. It worships God with their story of how he saved them, verses 4 to 10. And then in verse 11, it exalts God. And this is a great verse. Who is like you, O Lord, among Hang on, is that right? Yes, among the gods. Yes, it is. Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? Who is like him? Then they sing the song, and then at the end of the song, Miriam picks up a tambourine, and she leads this, the, the women in singing and dancing. And I'm going I'm to say what I would assume is like the chorus of the song, okay? And she sings it again. Then Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went after her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. So when we're gathering to worship, we sing new songs. It's, it's, like, it's biblical. Psalm 96 verse 1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Okay? That's an, on an individual basis, sing to the Lord a new song, and corporately singing a new song. We should be regularly exposing ourselves to new worship. Is it all going to be good? No, it is not. Okay? Are there going to be growers? Yes, there are. Okay? Should we discount a song because we heard it one time and we went, ugh, not, not, that song's not for me. I'll give you an example. In the mid-2000s, a song came out, and it had the lyric, the song is called How He Loves Us, and it had the lyric, Sloppy Wet Kiss in it. And I heard this, first heard this song, and I went, are you joking? Are you serious? 
There is absolutely no way I'm singing about a sloppy wet kiss. Okay? That's not going to happen. But Ellen, my wife, really liked the song, so it was played regularly. In fact, she was determined that I was going to like it, and she just played it on repeat. Okay? And when I heard the rest of the lyrics of that song, and I spent a little bit of time thinking about what the song is, what's the writer writing about, okay? What does sloppy wet kiss actually mean? It's poetic, obviously, it's not in the Bible, okay? It's poetic. <laughs> well, smears, poetry is all a much of a muchness. Uh, it's poetic, and what it means is the loving kiss of a father for his children. That's what it means, that's what it's based on. And as I began to understand that, I'll be completely honest, I still wasn't like, mm, this is great, but it allowed me to get over it. And the rest of the song talks about God who loves us. Oh, how he loves us. And so I was able to put my discomfort aside and it unlocked something for me. So when we sang the song, I didn't just go, switch off, I'm not singing this one anymore. I was actually able to fully engage with it. Corporate worship is the gathering of God's people to praise and worship God. Notice there how I've not said sing. Singing is important, don't get me wrong. As we gather, we are, all, we, as we gather, we are to bring all that we've learned and built up through our week as trains running on the tracks in the secret place and worship him. And there are exciting things that happen when God's people gather together. He meets with them. God meets with his people as they worship him. God delights in worship. He absolutely loves it. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. We need to meet together. We are called to meet together. Lou Fellingham in her chapter in Why Worship, so Lou Fellingham is another one of the authors uh, in here, highlights some key points with corporate worship. And I'm just going to fire through them very quickly. First of all, God is a singing God. God joins in with us as we worship. All of heaven and God join with us. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Two, corporate worship fills us with joy. There was a moment this morning, Holy Spirit was doing a work. There was joy in the room. Ephesians 5, 18 and 19, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Three, worship brings about transformation. It brings freedom. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And four, Worshipping together builds community. Builds community. Bob Coughlin, our singing tends to bind us together. It's more effective than simply reciting or shouting words in unison. Singing enables us to spend extended periods of time communicating the same thoughts, the same passions, and the same intentions. That process can actually have a physical effect on our bodies. 
Scientists have found that singing corporately produces a chemical change in our bodies that contributes to a sense of bonding. So let's go back. Let's reflect on the seven words of worship. Can we have them back up again, please? I think I've clicked on. Have I clicked on? Yes, there they are. Let's have a look at them. Right, here comes, here comes some challenge. So, of those seven words, how many of them need a, need a worship leader to tell you what to do? None of them. Don't need a worship leader to do that. Corporate worship is about building each other up. Stirring our hearts together. When someone prays out, sings out, dances, raises their hands, it should lift our hearts. We should look over and see somebody dancing and go, the Lord is at work here. That's amazing. Stirs my heart, builds my heart. Person next to me prays out. Oh, Jesus, thank you for delivering me from that, delivering me from evil. That's right. He has delivered from evil. As we stand together, as we corporately worship together, it should build us up. As we engage with God on a personal level in our community praise, it inspires those around us. Singing is a big part of what we do when we're gathered together, but let it not be the only thing that we do when we're gathered to worship. Don't be limited. Think about what how you can express your worship to God in any one of seven different ways you can worship God. The role of our worship leaders should be more about leading the worship that is happening in front of them rather than trying to drag you through the set list. The quality of our worship shouldn't be judged by whether or not the band played one or more of your favorite songs, or my favorite songs, and that perhaps it's, oh, it's not my favorite worship leader this week. That's a shame. If I told you that from next week, no band, no band, not even a worship leader, just the church gathering to worship together, to lead each other in songs, to pray out, and that's just not next week. Let's say we're going to start with six months. And then maybe we'll go to a year. Did the early church have drum kits and electric guitars? No, they didn't. What, our, well, sorry, what are our expectations of worship when we gather as a community? Are they based on our own projections of what church should look like, should sound like? Or are they based on where we are on a personal level with the Holy Spirit? We should be in such a place that when we arrive on a Sunday, it doesn't matter what happens on the stage. It doesn't matter what happens around us. What matters is where you are. As a personal worshipper, are you worshipping? Are you arriving ready to worship as a train gliding into the station? Or are you arriving like a car stuttering into the petrol station for filling up? So we're going to draw our morning to a close. Uh, so the band, you want to come up and think, what have we learnt? Are we cars or are we trains? 
Hopefully, you've all realized that you now want to be a train. Yes? Yes, James, I want to be a train. Good. Excellent. There's lots of... <laughs> so, are you on a personal level with Jesus? Are you jumping from Sunday to Sunday, choosing convenience over what God, call is, what God is calling you to, or are you a train running constantly connected to our Father, arriving on a Sunday, ready to share what we have, pressing to God, sharing the gifts that he's given us? Here's my question to you. Do you understand? We are going to worship God. Yes. Amen. We're going to worship God. Yes. I'm going to read Psalm 96. And then the band are going to lead you in worship. Right. Let me just deal with this here for a moment. So, Psalm 96 says this. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to, the, sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in splendor of holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the word is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Amen. Let's worship God together.